overcrowding and unreasonably risking the safety and security of inmates and staff. That's what the Auditor General of Canada said about Nunavut's corrections facilities last spring. And last month, Nunavut's Justice Department came out with their response to Auditor General's report. And the CBC's Karen Outsorn has been following this story and is here to give us an update. Hi, Karen, and, and welcome to the show. Good morning. So can you remind us of what the Auditor General's report said about corrections here in Nunavut? Sure. So overall, uh, the report found that the Department of Justice had uh, not adequately met the key responsibilities that it had for management of corrections in the facil- uh, correction facilities in Nunavut. Um, in particular, uh, it pointed out that uh, it was there was a lack of appropriate space, which was included. There was a complete lack of maximum security space, which meant that we have maximum security uh, inmates and medium security inmates all being housed in a uh, minimum security facility, which is the Baffin Correctional Facility. Now, the report also looked at uh, conditions at uh, BCC, uh, pointing out issues like there was holes in the walls, presence of mold, uh, and a non-compliance with the National Fire Code all of which the report concluded uh, was unreasonably risking the safety uh, and security of inmates uh, and the staff. And so how did the Department of Justice uh, respond to the Auditor General's report? Yeah, well, uh, the response was actually pretty wide-ranging, touched on a number of different elements. Uh, So maybe we can start off and we can talk about the overcrowding and uh, inability to separate uh, inmates with different security levels, because that kind of touched on everything else. Um, now, uh, at BCC, uh, there's a couple different issues there, particularly the inability to separate uh, prisoners. And I talked with a local defense lawyer, his name's Jonathan Park, and he explained to me why uh, the current setup at BCC is such a big problem. You have people who, who have records of violent offenses are known to react with violence to conflict situations right alongside people who have just been arrested for the first time who didn't make bail for whatever reason or you know young adults who are just starting down that path and instead of having influences that can steer them in a different direction we're housing them with a number of people that are teaching them the ways of of violence if you will. Now, it's also important to to note, Kevin, that uh, at any given time, of all the inmates who are uh, held in Nunavut, only half of them are convicted criminals. The other half uh, are prisoners who are on remand, who are awaiting trial, and are presumed innocent. And and what is the department saying on, on how they will address these issues? So to address uh, some of the issues about requiring maximum security space and um, the issues about overcrowding, uh, the department has said that they're going to spend $67 million on uh, renovations, long-term renovations for BCC. Uh, but what's interesting is that renovations weren't the only option that they had. Um, the construction company that put together the estimate uh, for renovations also put together an estimate for an entirely new facility. Uh, and so building an entirely new facility would only cost $3 million more than long-term, renova- long-term renovations. Now, saving $3 million, you look at that, you say, that's a good thing, we're saving money, we're choosing the, the cheapest option. But it's not that straightforward. Uh, the construction company also put together a uh, outline on what the long-term lifetime cycle uh, costs would be for, for both projects. So a uh, lifetime cycle includes like operation and maintenance and like energy costs over a number of years. And so the lifetime cycle cost of an entirely new facility is actually $20 million cheaper than the lifetime cost of renovations. So that really confused me because I was like, why are we choosing the option that over its life cycle is going to cost $20 million more? So I reached out to the Department of Justice and I talked to the Assistant Deputy Minister of Justice, Yvonne Nigel, and she tried to explain to me uh, why they chose that. Many factors, of course, would play into it. There's not just the financial, there's environmental and uh 
and other other avenues um, and then with the passing of time to circumstances change there's also implementation of programs a, a whole bunch of factors that can change and and so Kieran what does that mean yeah, good question. Uh, I didn't feel that she was able to clearly uh, explain to me why renovation was the best option. Uh, I did ask her to elaborate on what she meant by environmental issues. She said that she was just referring to the need to separate different uh, inmates from different security levels, which is something that we already knew, but she couldn't elaborate any further. Now, uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've been asking the Department of Justice for more detailed information about how they made that decision uh, to do long-term renovations, and I've also asked to talk to the Justice Minister, Paul Uklik, but I'm still waiting. And so what else did the department say in their response to uh, the Auditor General's report? Right. Well, one of the things that really stood out to me was the department's response to uh, recommendations around rehabilitative programming. Uh, in their response, the department wrote, quote, Rehabilitative programming cannot be delivered without proper staffing, relevant training, and adequate infrastructure. These needs must be addressed before the Department of Justice can implement and review programming. Now, that inability to implement programming stood out to Catherine Latimer as well. Uh, she's the uh, executive director of the John Howard Society in Ottawa, which is an uh, organization that advocates for the humane treatment of prisoners. If there is not any rehabilitative programming, it goes against the whole notion of what corrections is in the Canadian context, which is people are sent to prison as as punishment, not for punishment. And the objective is that when they're serving time, efforts would be made to address the underlying causes of their criminality and prepare them, uh, support their development and skill set so that when they're returned to the community, uh, they're less likely to commit crime and have more options. So if there is no programming, you're effectively simply warehousing prisoners, and that's not... Uh, what corrections should be about. So uh, during the conversation that I had with Lanamir, she went on to say that if jails are overcrowded and lack programming, then they essentially just become schools of crime uh, and that communities should expect more criminality out of people who go through that system as opposed to less. Okay. So the department's response seems to imply that they don't have any programming. Uh, were you able to find out what programming does exist for Nunavut prisoners? So Corrections does provide programming, but they admit that it's not nearly enough. Um, and even the programming that they do have, uh, they say that it's not fully utilized. Now, when I talked to Assistant Deputy Minister of Justice Yvonne Nigo, she explained to me why. Some of the programs aren't receiving the maximum benefit because of the space, spacing issue. It's very difficult to want, be willing to partake in programs when you're worried about um, peer pressure, especially when, when a low security and a maximum security uh, population are mixed. Mm. And so what else uh, came out of the Department of Justice response to the AG report? Sure. Well, another element that I was looking at uh, was how they're proposing to address the Auditor General's criticisms of uh, corrections uh, in, in that they are failing to provide uh, support for inmates with mental health issues. Uh, now, to address that, the department says that uh, half of the beds at their new minimum security jail in Iqaluit, which is Makiavik, uh, is going to be dedicated to inmates with mental health needs. Now, I talked with Alexander, Dr. Alexander Simpson. He's uh, the chief of forensic psychology at the Center of Addiction and Mental Health, as well as being the head of the division of forensic psychology at the University of Toronto. Now, he was telling me that he's worked in the past with corrections departments across the country to help them develop their mental health strategies. Uh, and so when I asked him about what he thought about uh, Justice's plan to offer specialized housing for mental health inmates, uh, this is what he had to say. 
corrections need to provide specialist housing for some people who have mental health vulnerability. Uh, that's important. That's not the same as a mental health service. A mental health service should be doing things like screening everybody who's coming into prison because there's a lot of undetected and unmet need amongst people coming in. It should then be triaging and assessing people to try and detect mental health need and then be providing care plans and uh, um, support and reintegration planning during your incarceration. Now, Simpson also talked about what the average needs are for prison populations around the world. Generally, about 15% of a standing prison population is likely to require some degree of specialist mental health um, input. About half of that would require um, very regular, very frequent uh, levels of input, you know, two, three, four, five times a week. Uh, others would be much more equivalent to your standard sort of outpatient caseload that would just require two weekly to monthly visits from, uh, from a healthcare work, mental health worker on top of the primary health care. And so, Karen, that seems like a lot of work. What, what does Nunavut Corrections currently provide? Right. Well, the easiest answer is to say that they don't provide that level of care. Uh, Simpson was saying that a facility like BCC should have a team of psychiatrists, psychologists, nurses, and social workers. Uh, and as it stands, uh, Nunavut's Department of Justice employs one psychologist and two nurses here in Iqaluit uh, and one nurse in Rankin Inlet. Um, so only one psychologist. How how does that compare to what is available to the general population in Nunavut? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Uh, when I talked to the Department of Health, in terms of psychologists, they said they only have one neuropsychologist for the whole territory, uh, for the general population. Uh, but interestingly, Dr. Simpson was saying that uh, if you want to improve the health of an entire community, there really isn't any better place to start than with a prison population. Look, I think um, incarceration is a major opportunity. Really wrapping care effectively around people coming in and out of corrections is a very good place to start because those people are people with major health needs. If you can access their needs and, and often if you can access the families more generally, then uh, I've seen um, area health authorities view uh, very good health care to inmates as, being ama- as having quite significant public health imp- implications and impact. All right. Karen, was there anything else uh, to the response from the Department of Justice? Yeah, uh, there are a few things. Uh, I'm going to be working on some more stories over the next week, so we'll see how they roll out. Okay, looking forward to that. Thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks so much. The CBC's Karen Outsorn joined us in our studio this morning.